I'm Gab. He's Robbo. Blue skies over West London. Uh, Robbo, thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for stepping in. As you know, I've had my I'm a great. Issues. I'm a great substitute. You know that. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you don't wear any kit, unlike Jules, but that, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, some would say this is my kit. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're going to cover a whole bunch of things because uh, Aurelien Chouameni to Real Madrid, almost mm. done. We'll talk about Darwin Nunez to Liverpool. We'll talk about um, uh, Sadio Mane, yep. that whole saga going on. But I want to start because Germany played England. We don't need to review the game, but obviously it's a great rivalry in the Nations League. Um, finished 1-1. But let's talk about where these two teams are, respectively. Big World Cup. Now these, mm-hmm. I think we have to take these games slightly with a pinch of salt because yeah. they come at the end of a long season. They have to cram four Nations mm-hmm. League games in here. We've seen a lot of rotation from, yeah. from every team. That said... When you look at where Germany are and where England are, on paper, I would think England should be further along because yeah. he's been there longer. They've had more recent success. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Gareth Southgate in, the, in that German game went back to the formation that he used at the European Championships, which worked well for him, um, where it was a slightly lopsided back four. Um, Trippier trying to get forward down the left-hand side and, and Walker tuck it in to make a back three at times. He played with a centre forward and three in behind, two wide players and a, and a number 10, and two holding midfield players, one who he wanted to get forward, like, uh, Phillips, but of course he went off injured. So he's gone back to the tried and trusted formation that he played uh, at the European Championships, and to a certain degree, you can see why he's done that. It's it's a it's a decent formation. I think he gets best out of most of the players. But I just looked at Germany, and they seem to have more energy about them. They seem to have a better understanding of what they were trying to do. I was quite impressed with Germany. Do they also have less quality in certain crucial positions? Um, and I'm talking about really. The fullback roles, mm. um, because obviously Raum uh, has come on. Yeah. Um, I think, based on analytics, I think he mm. like created more chances mm. uh, than uh, uh, than um, Andy Robertson this season, which, yeah, I, yeah. which I find incredible. Yeah, 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 if yeah, that's yeah. the case. But again, this is not somebody who's experienced at this level. Somebody who's bounced mm. around. It seems to me that if, from Germany's perspective, if you are going to play that system, you need fullbacks who are going to contribute and maybe not on a par with the rest of the side and also perhaps center forward unless Havertz settles in there mm. not on a par with the rest of the side what's your take on the on the fullbacks well he, he obviously the, the way he plays he wants his back three to, to play a high line so it allows the wing backs to get further forward uh, and Hoffman on the right hand side although he was playing almost as a wing back he kept on making runs from outside to in so he 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 changed his position quite well I thought he did a brilliant job he scored the the goal as well but he made it difficult for for Trippier at times to know when to pass him on when to pick him up so that was a slight difference in the system that he played Uh, and she meant the, the left wing back got forward and used the left foot but they play some neat football in midfield. It's a combination passing, one and two touch passing in midfield, which just allowed their wing backs to get higher up the field. And I thought they did it very well. They played around the pressure, which England tried to put them under. Uh, so you could see exactly what they were doing. But I agree with you. They still, I don't think, have got a, a centre forward. Timo Werner came on as a sub and went through the middle and tried to make those forward runs, as he did for, for Leipzig for, for many seasons. Havertz, is he a centre forward? Yes, he's fairly good in the air he can hold up the play but I don't think he really wants to play as the out and out number nine he wants to drift into to wide areas wants, wants to drift that little bit deeper so 
that may be the one big problem for Germany at the moment. It's interesting because he's alternated with back four, back mm. three, he's tried mm. to find it. Um, at the Euros, we saw back mm. four. My, my difficulty, sorry, we, we, we saw a back three to accommodate mm. Robin Gosens. Mm. Um, and you can say, all right, Gosens and Raum, these guys are fine on, on that flank. I think you still have an issue on on the right flank unless mm. you want to move Kimmich there or you, you adapt Hoffman mm. or whatever. But also, if you go back three, do you have three high-end centre-backs? Well, Rudiger has proved for Chelsea over the last Rudiger is not an argument. I'm a Nicolas Sule guy, as you know. Yeah. But then? Uh, Klosterman. You know, he's a, he's a nice footballer. Uh, he showed pace on one or two occasions when people ran at him. I thought he defended 1v1 again, well on a couple of occasions against Sterling. But I wouldn't fancy him having to come out to right back too often in a 1v1 situation when the, when the wing-back's high up the field. So that could be a slight problem. Uh, the player that came in on the left-hand side of midfield obviously gave the penalty away, but is he going to be good enough over the, uh, for, the, for the World Cup to play on that left-hand side of a back three? That's a question mark. So I think he's got one or two things to answer or to, uh, to improve, uh, Hansi Flick. But I think he's a good coach. I think he's a top-class coach. We saw that. He changed things at Bayern Munich. I know Bayern Munich were always going to win uh, the, the Bundesliga, but he's a good player. He's a good coach. All right, we're going to get into all that a little more. We're going to get a little granular, there you go, with Germany, and especially uh, with England. Also, shout-out to Harry Kane on the score sheet again. Uh, there's no stopping him. All right, let's keep going a little bit with Germany because um, well, and i got to put out the, the, this caveat out there that the World Cup is in, starts on November 21st, mm-hmm. so there's a lot that can happen between now and then. What I'm interested in, though, a lot of it is how do these pieces fit together? Mm-hmm. And so much of it is you look at form, you look at who's fit, but then you have to make the pieces fit. Mm-hmm. If you're Germany, if you're going to go with a back three, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that means you can accommodate Gosens and Raum on the left. You still mm-hmm. finish on the right. I, I don't think it's a great solution. No. Um, and you've got, uh, I think, a depth at center back issue in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, do you have enough bodies there, injury mm-hmm. suspensions? But the other thing is, um, it, and it can suit your wingers too, mm-hmm. because obviously Germany, you know, don't, they, they're, they're well stocked in the winger mm. department, but where does Thomas Muller fit? Well, the way they played the other night was with a with a centre forward who was Havertz, and then there was two players playing sort of the old-fashioned inside right and inside left. Three, four, two, one. Yeah. So Musiala down one side or through the inside left position, Muller through the right position, but drifting along. Or they can go with wider players when you see Gnabry and Sane come on, who are an out-and-out wingers, and they can then tuck the the. the but that's the thing; it's an it's an either-or situation, it is, yes. isn't it? Yeah, I think and, so. And so I think I mean, that's what fascinates me is this big call that Flick is going to have mm. to make. And you just mentioned it: whoever's playing well at the time, because it's all about form. Come World Cups, come European Championships, it's all about the players that are in form. Sometimes managers carry on picking players that are out of form, and you can see it in the World Cup. Now, Sane and Gnabry on form have that pace to run in behind. They can go past people, they can create chances, and you would then go with a back four. If they're not playing quite so well, then you have the centre forward and, and, and a couple of players off of him. Uh, and you go with a back three and two wing backs who give you the width and pace down the outside. So Hansi Flick's got a, a, a lot of things to think about and not that many games to do it before the World Cup. Right, where we think he's really settled is obviously goalkeeper. Um, I mean, assuming right, somebody could, could yet emerge, but Goretzka and Kimmich 
that yeah. looks yeah. pretty solid if they're fit yeah. and they're ready at the World Cup, and we assume um, that they will be. I think whether it's Realm or Gosens on the left, I the think problem with okay. Gosens, he hasn't played enough football, has he, this season? He's been injured, yeah. He's, he's got injured. a big six months yeah. coming up yeah. to show that he belongs. And also, I don't think it's clear that Gosens can be effective in a back four. No. Um, so I think that's... It'd be helped that Perisic is, is leaving. Yeah, no, no, no. He'll, he'll get, but again, mm. he'll still be playing 3-5-2. Mm. So it's, it's a slightly different dynamic, mm. um, I think, and some people can make that transition quite yeah. easily. Others can't. Let's go back to the center forward uh, issue. All right, we've debated Havertz endlessly. Can you give us just from a, from a coaching perspective, what makes a center forward? Is it, it is it in his mind? Because the physical tools, right? He's got mm -hmm. the technical ability. He's good in the air. He's a big, strong boy. Mm -hmm. um, the physical tools are all there, right? Is it, does he, is it a question of making certain runs? Is it yeah, it's depending what you want from your center forward, whether you want him to be a link-up player um, as we were talking about with England, Harry Kane is now a link-up player. Havertz could be that if he's got pace running beyond him. Which but I think we know he does. He does, if it's Sane and Gnabry. Musiala, I think, can do it. Muller's not... He's going to try and make runs, but he hasn't got the pace to... Muller's older, yeah, yeah. He's older. Um, and if you, are, if, you, if you want to send a forward that's going to run in behind, I'm not sure Havertz... He's got the pace to do it, but I'm not sure he's got the willingness to do it or the understanding to do it at the moment because he hasn't played centre-forward enough over his career. He's played as a withdrawn centre-forward. He's played out wide. You know, I think you have to... He's have... played quite a bit at Chelsea, although perhaps at Chelsea it's a bit different because yeah. when he plays with Werner or Pulisic, they're off the they're guys running behind, it. And running behind, yeah. I would never say he's an out-and-out centre-forward. You know, he's, he's a bit like Firmino was at Liverpool for those seasons when Salah's making runs beyond him and Mane was running beyond him. I can't see him making that many runs in behind. He did it in the Champions League a couple of seasons ago when uh, against Real Madrid where he, where he looked a very good player running in behind. He showed good pace and good energy. But I'm not sure that's his role. But you can still fit him into the into that if you if you want him to come short and people running beyond him, then he's a he's a good good centre forward because at the moment Timo Werner as an out and out centre forward making runs in behind hasn't been good enough. But it's easier for him to do that if he's playing with Sane and Napoli with the wingers yeah. than it is to, to as long as they're making diagonal runs from outside to win, not right. not staying too no. wide. Because otherwise he's going to run into yeah. Musiala and Muller and, yeah. and get in their way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just find it fascinating. I, this is what makes, you know, we were talk about the difference between club coaching and national mm. team coaching. National team, you have to be so much more creative yeah, because yeah. You, you have to really adapt your system to the players. And then you see why Hoffman came in from the right-hand side on several occasions. He, he's playing as a, almost like a, a right wing-back and he made runs inside of Trippier to get in between the send-offs. He scores his goal. So again, you have to adjust. If you've got a centre-forward that doesn't want to play through the middle and wants to go here, there and everywhere, you've got to have other players running beyond him. And Hoffman did it very well on a couple of occasions. All right, let's talk England. Mm. And I would like you to tell me now, mm. we can do this little exercise together. Mm. We're going to say one name each and see yeah. how far we get about players who 100% must start if fit. Yep. Okay? I will begin. Yep. Harry Kane. Yes, I would agree with that. Now, I'm going to go with a player that you're going to disagree with entirely. I'm going to go with Walker. Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker. Okay. Now, the reason I'm going to disagree with it is that 
unless you see Kyle Walker as a center back, if mm. Kyle Walker plays right back, mm. that means Trent Alexander plays mm. left bench. Mm. And I don't want that because mm. I think Trent Alexander is mm. really good. But yeah. now you're going to... Already, where we've gone with the, I thought, I thought we were going to go with a dead certain certainties we could both agree on. I'm saying a dead certainty for me for you. would be Walker because he's the player that so often gets the two centre halves out of problem. Out so of you're problem. dropping Trent Alexander Arnold. I don't personally. I think he's a great crosser of the ball. He's a great passer of the ball. He cannot defend, and he has no defensive mindset whatsoever. And if I was a manager, I couldn't go into a game playing him at right back. I could play him as a right wing back. Even though he doesn't play as a right wing back, he doesn't play as a, but he could play. He could play as a right wing back. Right. That, 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 the formation as a right wing back would suit him perfectly. Right. Doesn't have to do too much defend as long as Walker was in behind him as the right sided centre half. The Walker, problem, the, the problem you run into with that again mm. is if you play him as a right wing back, mm. then you either play three five two with no wingers, which mm. doesn't seem very clever for no. England because they have a lot of yeah. uh, options out wide. Um, and they don't have necessarily two outstanding center forwards. Yeah. Or you have to play 3-4-3, three, three, and I don't know that that fits the Gareth Southgate mindset, play 3-4-3. Three, three, Why wouldn't it? Because if you've got Harry Kane as Because he's very forward. conservative. You're going to play a back three and then two defensive midfielders and then wingbacks? That's what I, that's what you could do. And he seems yeah. to like Phillips and, and Declan Rice as a, as a combination in that midfield. You could have... Trent Alexander is the right wing back. Uh, the left wing back's more of a problem. Bencho will, will be back will be, at some if, point. He's, if he's fully fit. And then you play two players either side of or off Harry Kane. Sterling, Sterling. Sancho, whoever's yeah. fit. Yeah. So whoever's those players or, or Saka, whoever it may be, and they can play that role because they've played that role for Arsenal. They've played that role for for, for Manchester City. Sterling's adjustable across right. the front line. And then you play Walker with two centre backs. Yes, uh, and the centre backs. I'm not a great fan of, of Stones. I don't I think, think he's good enough on the ball to make up for his defensive deficiencies. Harry Maguire, I've always been a fan of his. He's had a bad season, obviously lost confidence, but we saw him at the European Championships be outstanding. He's got to get back to that form. And if he can get that form back under Ten Hag, he'll be a, he'll be a, a definite pick. OK. Are your goalkeeper still Pickford? Yes. Uh, only because he's... I'm not a Pickford... Pickford... I don't like goalkeepers that remonstrate every time somebody has a shot at them that they're a bit they look as though they're they're, they're losing the plot slightly. He was at fault for the for the uh, the goal the other night. He makes mistakes, uh, but he also Is makes Pope good saves. A better keeper. Uh, do you know what? I haven't. It sounds. I haven't seen enough of Pope to say. Yeah, he's a great goalkeeper. He's consistent. No, I'm. I'd have to go with Pickford. He's the he's the man in in, in the role at the moment. Yeah, I think Pope is Pope is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe he's even a better keeper mm. than Pickford. I do mm. think because Pickford's been part of this system mm. for so long. Yeah. Because Pickford's, I don't even know if he's, but I assume he is better than Pope with his feet. Mm. But it does seem mm. to be part of what Southgate yeah, yeah. wants. I don't think Southgate wants a goalkeeping controversy. No. Plus, no. Pope's going to be in the championship mm. next year, or or this coming season. Mm. I mean, I would assume Southgate's going to say, "All right." Unless Pickford, mm. you know, has a nightmare, it's Pickford's it's job to lose, which is fine. And again, also, I think he's going to look at somebody like Aaron Ramsdale and perhaps mm. judge him to be a little, yeah. you know, not a little too green for it. Mm. Fine. Um, yeah, I go back to what I said before. If the the three four three, if we believe mm. that he's willing to play that setup in that way. Um, 
that it's seems... the best system to cover all aspects of the pitch because you've got a, a midfield four you've got three it's it's the players are spread evenly over the pitch so it doesn't leave you short up front it doesn't leave you short at the back it doesn't leave you short in wide areas it's the it's the safest system in some ways three four three and you can do stuff with mm. your with your wide players yeah. in the sense that you can have more traditional winger yeah. types. You can yeah. have Grealish coming inside. Yeah. You can even, if you have the right players, maybe mm. even try to, if you want to make Kane mm. even more comfortable, yeah. try to replicate a little bit the way Spurs play. Yeah. You know, get somebody to impersonate Son mm. and somebody to impersonate Kulusevski. Not, not easy. Yeah, but, but not easy. But, but you yeah, know what I mean? Can, like, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's well, easy. Remember for, at the European Championship, uh, Sterling... It was the best he'd played for quite some while. Yeah. Uh, he was outstanding, making runs beyond Harry Kane. Okay, so I'm feeling a little bit better about England. Can we also put Bellingham potentially as a as an alternative in that? Yes. In the, 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 those yeah. two in yeah. midfield rotations? There's, but you, you were going to certainties. Declan Rice has to be a certainty. All right, so let's recap on the certainties. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, so you've, you've sold me on Walker yeah. since we're going 3-4-3. Three, three. Yeah. So we have Kane, Walker, Declan Rice. Yeah. And we've gone with Pickford as well, haven't we, I suppose? I, unless he falls apart. Yeah. 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 I've gone with Maguire. Is that just because of a lack of alternatives? Uh, I would say so. But I think Maguire, when he is full of confidence, and I think he'll have a, a good start to the season. I think he's, he, he's nightmares probably behind him now. Uh, I think Gareth Southgate loves him as a player, loves him as a person. I think he'll do a good job next season. I think the question with Maguire is... What is he like mentally? Mm. Not not so much with England, but when he goes back to United. Mm. What if Eric Ten Hag says, "Yeah, sure, Eric Ten Hag." I watched the videos of last season. I didn't like the way you played. You're not no, or even just to yeah. start some preseason, and he says, mm. "I like Varane and Lindelof," mm. or "I like Varane and say they signed Timber or whatever." Right? Mm. Um, I mean, it could happen in, in absolute terms. If Varane yeah, yeah. is fit, we agree Varane is a better player than yes. Maguire, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one slot. If then United go and spend big money on a centre back. All of a sudden, I mean, Southgate might have the dilemma of, okay, he's not playing regularly. Do I still do I still pick mm. him? And then I think because we attach so much relevance to, you know, the captaincy, I know mm. there's been talk he's mm. going to put it up to, you know, but, but McGuire is a leader on this team. And yeah. That's just going to create a whole bunch of other uh, of other issues and more psychological baggage that for McGuire to deal with after mm. dealing with a ton of it last year. That would be my concern yeah. there. But yeah, I, looking at this, I think it's fair to say England are in better shape than Germany. Yes, I would say so. And another player that doesn't matter how he's been playing for Manchester City, when the big games have come around for England, uh, Sterling has always been picked by Southgate. And he did at the European Championship. Because when, going into the European Championship, Sterling was totally out of form. Yeah. He was the player that everyone was saying he'd probably be left out the side. All these other players were going to come in. Sancho was going to come in. Saka was going to come in. And they did to, to a certain degree. But the player that played every game and played very well was Sterling. Okay, so we were a bit vague on the two wingers, right? There, there, mm. there, there's a lot of options. Mm. Um, Sterling, Sancho, Grealish, Foden, who mm. I think is perhaps the best of all. Yeah. Mount, who's not really a winger, but would have to adapt inside. Mm. I mean, is it, did, actually, the word on Mount, does he get kind of, is he kind of the odd man out because... You don't want him in the two in front of the back four, in, in front of the, yeah, the, yeah. the defence. If, yeah. if you're playing a three, so f three four three, you don't play with 
you can play without and out wide players up front, but you're not going to because the wing backs would, particularly if it was at Trent sure. Alexander Arnold getting so forward. Gonna, he's going to come inside. He's anyway. going to come so inside. You could accommodate yeah. him out he, there. Absolutely. You know, as he probably plays for Chelsea quite a lot of the time. On the bit right narrower yeah, yeah, bit for narrow. Chelsea, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so slightly narrow. Uh, and you could do the same with Sterling. But going back to your point about Bellingham, Bellingham, I think, is a better all-round midfield player than probably Phillips. Phillips showed at the European Championship he can make forward runs as well. He's not just a passer, but he, he's been injured for a long time. Bellingham, when he came on, looked like a, a good athlete. He looked as though he could pass the ball. He won the ball back in good areas. So he's certainly another six months on uh, smart. a player that can really affect England. Yeah, no, the more I look at it, I think England are in really good shape. I think yeah. we could undo them. Mm. And I, I know, like... <sighs> Again, I, I, I really struggle because I really mm. like Southgate. I really expect so many things mm. he's brought. But I think he's made, at the Euros, he made bad decisions. Mm. And I know they got to the final, but I still think in, in every game, in, yeah, all those games absolutely. were a lot closer than they should have been, absolutely. largely owing to poor decisions mm. that he made. And not changing things when he needed to change things. You know, there was, it was a couple of games, the one against Scotland was obvious that whenever the ball went out to Reese James, he had to get and drive it on. He was standing right in front of the manager and the manager just kept on allowing him to go back across the pitch. The one difference, in my view, and it might be controversial, the difference between Germany and England, Germany have a better coach. Yeah, uh, look, there's no argument there. Final word on this on Harry Kane. Uh, you know, you grew up with records. Mm. When you were a child, mm. I'm assuming you're like, oh, Bobby Charlton's. Yeah, yeah. Look at his record. Nobody's ever going to break that. And then Gary Lineker comes along. Yeah. And then Wayne Rooney comes along. And now Rooney, I mean, Harry Kane's yeah. almost certainly going to break Rooney's record. Yeah. Is it? How do you feel about this kind of natural progression? Are you seeing your childhood heroes crumble? <laughs> um, I think uh, has Harry Kane done it in fewer games? I'm not sure about the how, how many games he's taken to do it. Certainly a lot fewer than Bobby Charlton. Yeah, Bobby Charlton. What I liked about uh, Bobby Charlton was that he wasn't an out-and-out centre forward. Bobby Charlton was a midfield player that scored all those goals. You know, and a lot of them were shots. Some might say that about Harry Kane now. Yeah, Harry Kane's becoming <laughs> deeper and deeper, <laughs> exactly. but he arrives in the box uh, a bit like Benzema. He arrives in the right. box at the right time. So uh, it's a great achievement from him. He's a, a top-class player. He always needs to be fit to be effective when he's slightly. Uh, uh, not 100% it always shows in his game and we see that with Tottenham even when he looks sluggish but when he's fully fit and he's rested and playing at the right time he's an outstanding player Who is Harry Kane's backup in the sense that and this might be a concern obviously at the Euros mm. we saw Dominic Calvert-Lewin who he didn't really seem to like so mm. much after taking him but obviously Calvert-Lewin's had a rough season Calvert-Lewin's also a very different type of mm. player than Harry Kane mm. There's not a centre forward who does what Harry Kane no. does and maybe just less well. So that's why Kane's so important because if Kane goes down, you're going to have to change a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So they need him fully fit. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a player that's good in the air. His hold-up play is quite decent. He's got a bit of pace, but he's not in the same league of Harry Kane. He also plays the position differently. Yeah. So if you have Calvert-Lewin or Tammy Abraham, you're going to have to necessarily play differently than you do with Harry Kane. If you've got Calvert-Lewin in the side, I think you have to change your system and get crosses coming in from the the wide areas. Those two players that we were talking about being narrow behind Harry Kane would have to go wider, deliver crosses, and there'll be another player in support. So you'd play with with a second striker off of Calvert-Lewin. So who is number two right now? Uh, Is it Calvert-Lewin in your mind or is it Abraham? 
Um, or is there somebody I've forgotten? I don't think you've forgotten anybody. Tammy Abraham, again, is a different type of striker in terms of he's got great pace and he's got good movement. I would go with Tammy Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. The Robbo has spoken. I'm sure we're going to revise these views many times between now and the World Cup. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. All right, enough Germany and England. How about some quick hits instead? Let's do it. Real Madrid have reached a verbal agreement with Monaco over the transfer of Aurélien Chouameni, um, including bonuses. It could be more than 100 million euros, Robbo. I'm going to withhold a little bit on discussing the fees. Is he worth it? I love doing this kind of stuff mm. because I need to see the structure of that 100 mm. million. But in the meantime, I just want to ask you, is Valverde Chouameni Camavinga the midfield of the future? Yes, I think right, it is. left balance. It's got great balance. Yeah, Valverde, the runner. We saw that in the Champions League final where I thought he was excellent playing as a, as a right-sided front player almost, tucking back into midfield, having to go out right back at times. I think he, he does the job perfectly in a, in a midfield three. Camavinga, uh, I think, uh, got better and better as the season wore on. He's still got to make sure he doesn't get booked early in games as he did uh, for Real Madrid early in the season. But he's now got that energy. He's got that confidence. And Shumeni is the player that can hold everything together. He's a good passer of the board. He's a good athlete. I think it's going to be an excellent midfield for Real Madrid for years to come. And in big games, all three of them are going to start on the bench, presumably. Uh, to start <laughs> with, yes. Yeah, to start with. It, moving on, Luka Modric has agreed a, a one-year extension at the Bernabeu. Uh, that's a no-brainer. It is, you know, my feelings on extending contracts yep. to older players. But I think in Modric's case, you make an exception mm. because it's one year... He's not on enormous, enormous tie-you-up type mm. wages. Um, so, no, I think he's going to help people grow. I, I think this is essentially an apprenticeship, mm. apprenticeship season for mm. a lot of these guys. Yeah. Learn from Modric, learn mm. from Kroos, learn from Kamavinga. Mm. Uh, sorry, from uh, Casemiro, obviously. Yeah. Who, by the way, early in his career, was much more of a box-to-box midfield. Mm. Interesting to see whether Kamavinga or any develop in the Casemiro direction. Yeah. In, in the same way he has. Liverpool are strongly linked with a move for Benfica's Darwin Nunez, who was memorably described by Jurgen Klopp as a handsome boy. Uh, Robbo, he's 22. The asking price is close to 100 million euros. Mm. Um, now, obviously, it's going to involve bonuses and add-ons, mm. but still, this is a ton of money. Is that a bit too steep? I would say too steep, but he is a good player. He's a Uruguayan international. He could be... 
when I always yeah, talk about Cavani. Say, say, Cáceres is a Uruguayan international too. Right? Yeah, but when you, t- when you looked at Cavani, if Cavani had come to the Premier League at his peak, he'd have been a top-class player. And I think Nunez can be that top-class player. And if it, Liverpool need a player of a certain sort, it's a centre-forward like Nunez. I I, think. What, what I like a lot about him is that he can also play wide hmm. and he can do that effectively. Where I'm not so sure that this is where you want to put your money, and, and I like the fact that he's mm. young. I mean, I would try to get this price way down. Because mm. ultimately, ultimately, if you're... Depends if you're, whether it's on bonuses, that price, or whether it's just a flat... Yeah, know, but I'm sure it's not like it's 50 mm. million plus 50 mm. million in bonuses. I mean, again, we need to see, but I, I would really try to, 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 to bring this, uh, mm. this number down for the simple reason that I think you have other areas of the pitch that you want to strengthen, mm. primarily central midfield where obviously Jordan mm. Henderson's not getting any younger Thiago Alcantara is not getting any more uh, durable and I do think midfield is, mm. is critical absolutely if you have to deal with another season of Jota Luis Diaz whichever one of Salah Sam and Mane, Mane stays, stays yeah. you're still in pretty good shape yeah yeah now Lewandowski uh, continues his campaign to get himself out of Bayern Munich he says something died inside of him but Bayern continue the pursuit of Sadio Mane okay well, first of all I always say this about Lewandowski, right? So, 10 years of his career, generally no drama. Obviously, he engineered the move from Dortmund to Bayern, but no drama there. Did it on good terms. I gotta say, I don't recognize this dude. He just seems like this guy who's just like this outstanding center forward, this goal scoring machine. So, what's his problem? Without much of a dress. I I appreciate you want to move, but this language, something died Died inside of me. Like, uh, you've won another title. You've had record goals. You, you, you have chances made for you left, right, and centre. Is he going to have that somewhere else? I, 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 I generally don't know. Also, the other thing is, I don't know that there's an obvious escape hatch mm. because obviously we can keep talking about Barcelona. Like mm. to me, Pini Zahavi has got mm. to have somebody else in mm. reserve, and it can't just be about Barcelona because the reality with Barcelona is right now their financial situation. Mm. We heard this again from Tebas mm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is that they can't sign anybody right no. now? Now. They will be able to, I presume, but can they sign Lewandowski in those conditions? Does he want to go to a very young team that's going to be rebuilding like this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think either somebody's pulling the wool under your eyes and you know somebody's going to kind of pop out from behind the curtain and say, like, aha, Lewandowski's coming here. This was the plan yeah, all yeah. along. Otherwise, I don't understand why you would go to war like this. Unless he's fallen out with somebody at the club. But in the meantime, though, Bayern continued to, to, to pursue Mane. We've, we've had reports of an initial bid of $25 million mm-hmm. that was knocked back. Then an improved bid of thirty million, but this includes hard to reach bonuses. Um, I think Liverpool can hang in there for a while, and generally, both Mane's attitude and Liverpool's attitude has been much more positive mm. than we've had in the Bayern Lewandowski <laughs> yeah. situation. And I think that's a credit to both of them. They want to leave. They want to end this on good terms. Mane's had a great time at Liverpool. Why would you want to leave on bad terms? Lewandowski's had a good time. Yeah, <laughs> too, to be honest. But um, my guess is. This will get done, but I think you know there were talk of Liverpool wanting fifty, Bayern uh, going to thirty. I don't think Bayern are going to go much beyond thirty, to be honest. And and I think if you're Liverpool, you take it because thirty plus the savings on wages that you get from you know one year of Mane, that's forty million to play with. You said Mane Mane to Bayern then. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's it's certainly pointing in that direction right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match 
with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Belgium bounced back from their big home defeat to Holland and wins 6-1 against Poland after going a goal down, no mm-hmm. less. Robo, how did they look? And can you show Leandro Trossard some love and tell me he's going to start and play a big role for them in the World Cup? Uh, well, he came as a sub and scored two good goals, two very good goals. Um, they looked good, I would say. Batshuayi? You Bat-Shuay. don't need Lukaku when you got the batsman. Batchway, his movement was quite good. He, he linked up the play well, but didn't take his chances when they came. Yeah. Kevin De Bruyne was once again magnificent. We saw a bit more from Edin Hazard, who was playing on the left-hand side of a front three, but often came infield and linked up the play, created a goal for um, De Bruyne. The midfield, uh, Tielemans and Witzel, uh, controlled particularly the second half. Uh, Witzel scored the equaliser with a, with a great goal. And the back three, uh, Dendonka playing on the right-hand side, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, still getting older, but still looking good <laughs> players. And, and Alderweireld, I thought, was magnificent. So they looked a good side. And the player that I like playing as a left-wing back, I've seen a lot for Atletico Madrid, Carrasco. I thought he was outstanding. So after their poor di- display against Holland, they were good against Poland. Now, Italy made 10 changes, but still beat Hungary 2-1. Gab, with Nyonto and Zerbin, Mancini showed that he's not afraid to play the kids, is he? Yeah, Zerbin came on in the in the uh, in the second half. Um, again, I would assume even a lot of idiot fans are like, "Who is mm. this guy?" Because he's never played in Serie A. Mm. He's at um, he was on loan at Frosinone. Mm. He is a Napoli guy. Nyonto, of course, has become a little phenomenon. Mm. And again, two weeks ago, I think a lot of I mean, he played for Italy under 18s, but mm. people had no idea mm. who he was. Still, just 18 years old. I thought there was so much positivity mm. about this. Just the lift that you get. Mm. Um, in playing these younger players, the fact that they're going for it, they they they, they were dynamic. I think it's also part of the reason, if you call guys Nyonto and Zerbin, you know these marginal mm. players, they're they're going to give you Every that time. lift. They're not coming after you know coming after a sixty game season. So um, I think it's good. I think you need to build on it. Um, there's no nothing to really worry about other than Euro qualification um, for for the for the foreseeable future. So yeah, onwards and upwards. Wales lose after 19 games unbeaten at home as Vout Weghorst grabs a last-ditch buzzer-beating winner for Holland, and they win 2-1. Now, this was after, of course, Wales had hmm. equalized themselves late on. This game was, was wild at the end. It certainly was. As you said, 92nd minute, Wales get a, an equaliser, and they thought they'd done enough and might go on and win the game in the last couple of minutes, but... Um, uh, De Jong comes on, breaks forward, they get a good cross into the box, and Veghorst does everything right. Gets okay. across the yeah, front of his that, man, gets that, a header in. The, okay, as a co-commentator, the co-commentator in my field, uh, on my feet, which is an Italian feed, was very poetic people, and he said, 
Trout Veghorst with an uh, angelic diving, with like, he's like diving like an angel to head mm. that in. I never thought you'd associate the words Veghorst and angel or grace or anything like that. Yeah. Oh, well, there's a, there's a time for everything. Good and goal, that though. Was, that was the time. <laughs> now, the Times are reporting that after buying Chelsea for £2.5 million, the investor group, led by Todd Bowley, has withheld around a hundred million of that amount in just in case there are any unforeseen uh, liabilities. Gab, what's this all about? And should Chelsea fans be concerned? Okay, so first of all, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that we only found this out now, but they negotiated when they paid mm-hmm. the price. It's not like, oh yeah, sign a yeah, contract for 2.5 million. Oh, but I'm only sending 2.4. Um, I would assume that this has to do with financial fair play, whether mm-hmm. the, the Premier League's version, the whatever the mm. cost controls, um, whatever they're called, possibly um, violations of UEFA's financial mm. for play when they come into being because, like, Chelsea spent a ton of money back in, in the summer when they signed Havertz and those guys. And then mm. again, last season with Lukaku. Now, mm. I think it's fair enough that you say, all right, I've got a price. I'm offering you this much, mm. but I got to count for the risk that we're going to have to pay a big fine. Mm. So I'm assuming... This is what it's about. I don't think it should be a concern. Um, it's not like they can go back on it. And, you know, this is money that isn't going into that celebrity mm. famous foundation that we all mm. heard so much about. So I think it's fine. I don't think you should be overly concerned, Chelsea fans. But it, it does tell you that they are worried about facing this fine. And that's yeah. why they put it in there. Marcus Rashford has one year left on his contract at Old Trafford, but he has let it be known that he wants to stay despite reported interest from Spurs. Is this a wise thing to do, Robbo? I think he's gone a bit stale at Manchester United. He hasn't improved over the last couple of years. Um, The crowd have got onto him. But I think, being a homegrown player, if he started to refind his form, the crowd would get behind him again. There's a new manager, new feeling around the club, hopefully, for Manchester United. I don't think you want to move to a new club while you're out of form and uh, out of confidence. So I think an extension would be the right thing for Marcus. Certainly not Spurs when you've got Lucas Moore and Kulusevski. I think it's the right thing for him to say. You've got a a year left. If you perform under Ten Hag, you'll get a new deal. Uh, If you don't perform, you'll be a free agent and you can go wherever you like. Now, Busquets at Barcelona said he's willing to take a pay cut if it helps strengthen Barcelona's financial position, but that nobody from the club has yet been in touch with him. What's your thoughts on that again? Okay, well, so first of all, you know, I take my hat to, to Sergio Busquets. He's obviously loyal to the club. When ESPN have troubles, you, you do exactly the same, don't you? Say, yeah, you, yeah, you say, yeah, I'll absolutely. have a pay cut, please. Absolutely. Um, so he's willing to go and help out. I don't know if it's true that nobody's been in touch. I hoped, would hope at least mm. they've been in touch with their agent. I hope that they can all read their financial reports and the danger that they're in of not being able uh, to register anybody. I would have thought that this is something obvious that you mm. do. Um, but again... Kudos to Busquets that he's willing to go out and, and do this. Gabriel Jesus continues to be shopped all around Europe. Uh, Robbo, he's been linked to Real Madrid as well, but there's a ton of talk of an Arsenal move. Of course, he's got one year left uh, on his deal at City, and I think we can take it as red that you know he's not going to get a new one. Uh, can he be an effective center forward, or is he really a wide player these days? Does he fit what Arsenal need? Uh I still think Arsenal need an out-and-out centre-forward. I don't think Jesus has proved at Manchester City he's a top-class centre-forward. Uh, I've seen him play some big games. But he scored four goals in one game. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure he was playing as an out-and-out centre-forward for the whole of that game. Right. I mean, he came from the right-hand side, he came from slightly deeper. 
When he's playing as an out-and-out centre-forward, I don't think his play with his back-to-goal is quite good enough. Um, I think he's somebody that likes the ball in front of him. Uh, when he was playing for Man City, because the opposition dropped deep, there wasn't that space to run in behind. If he went to Arsenal and played as a centre-forward, not every team's going to drop that deep. They might try and squeeze up, and he could run in behind. But I would say, at the moment, when I've seen him play, he's looked a better right-sided player than he has a centre-forward. So, Real Madrid could be a good move for him, if they are interested, because if Benzema was not fit, he could play as a centre-forward. When Benzema is fit, he could play as a right-sided player, the position that they've had problems with. Okay, but if you're Arsenal, right, if you can see this and you're not mm. sure he's a centre-forward, mm. why are you messing around? You don't need him as a winger. You've got, no. you've got Saka no. and Smith-Rowe and, you know, goodness knows no, well, no. Martinelli. Yeah. And... So I, I'm not sure it's the ideal move for Arsenal. The trial of Seth Blatter and Michel Platini got underway on Wednesday in Switzerland, Gab. They both face, or could face, five years in prison. How do you see this one going? Um, this is over a whole bunch of things relating to the two million payment to to Michel Platini, the mismanagement, forgeries. There's a lot of stuff in here. Blatter said he was unwell to testify on the first day, mm -hmm. so apparently he's testifying later. Uh, he's apparently said that he needed his uh, monthly living expenses were twenty five thousand dollars a month in, uh, including rent in Zurich. Which so he spends his, he spends more than you, Gab. He does. Zurich is a really expensive. I, I wasn't blown away. Whoa, it's that much. Yeah. It's a really expensive city. Um, look, I think these people are older and so on. I think they just want to get a verdict on the record. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's going to prison. Gareth Bale is a free agent, Robbo. He's been linked to Getafe, though his agent, who, by the way, I think is still officially Jonathan Barnett, but mm. in this case, it's not Jonathan Barnett. It's Joshua Barnett, who is his son and, I guess, business partner. He said... No, he's not going to Hitafe. I don't even have the number of the Hitafe president. Um, what kind of club do you think suits him at this stage? Presumably not Hitafe. Uh, obviously not. Um, if I was Gareth Bale, uh, I wouldn't have thought money would be a big issue, but he wants to, to play football. He needs to play football. He needs to go to a club where he's going to be picked every week. He's going to get his confidence back. He's going to play on a regular basis. He's going to affect the team. So I would say a mid-table Premier League club, maybe a, a, um, you know, a, a, a mid-table Spanish club, Hatafe. Uh, <laughs> no, OK, so here, here's my thing. We talked about mm. this on the show, right? Because I, I, I think this is actually really interesting. Mm. If, if I'm Gareth Bale, obviously my priority is mm. the World Cup. So mm. I take your point about going to a place where he's comfortable, where he can play every week. I might also add where maybe he can play every week without much pressure. Because mm. if he goes to a mid-table uh, Premier League club, if he goes to, I don't know. Everton? Bright <laughs> Everton, <laughs> Brighton, whatever, right? Uh, there will be pressure yeah. because you're in the Premier League mm. and because you'll be the biggest star on the mm. team. Even if you're not, even if you sign for not a lot of money and so on. And, and so I'm not 100 percent, you know, you're going to get caught up in that. Um, so what some people have suggested is what if he went to Cardiff? So he's back home. Yeah. Plays for Cardiff. Again, not about the money. In the championship. Plays in the championship. There's still a level of physicality. And also they're probably going to be near the top of the championship. So they'll be winning games. He's going to be on the front foot rather than having to do a lot of defending. So Exactly. Plays when he wants to. Yeah. Can, can, can get his... He can go and, you know, he can find his feet and get his fitness back. All the pressure is not going to be there, certainly not between now and November. Mm -hmm. It might be post-World Cup if they're competing for the playoffs mm -hmm. or promotion or whatever. Do you like that? I, I like that, Gab, yes. Maybe you should be his agent rather than Joshua Barney. <laughs> <laughs> I think Joshua Barney might have already thought of that. Yeah. Uh, Raphael Lau 
has had a tremendous season at Milan this, uh, last year. His contract is up in 2024 and the club want him to extend. But there's a big problem, isn't there, Gav? There's a big problem, a really mm. big problem, a 16.5 million euro problem, which is this. Now, Rafael Leao, mm. before coming to Milan, he was at Lille. Before he went to Lille, he was at Sporting Lisbon. If you remember, this must have been maybe five years ago. He was a very young player mm. then. Um, there was an incident at Sporting Lisbon where a bunch of club ultras broke into the training ground and physically attacked uh, the players. I think players, one of the guys mm. who were there, being Bastos was there at the time. Mm -hmm. I think Bruno Fernandes, a whole bunch yeah, of yeah. them were. And what happened is the players said, this is unsafe. And they took uh, legal action to basically become free agents, mm. you know, obviously spurred on by their own agent. And in many cases, the own agent was, no surprise, George Mendes. Um, so they all became free agents and they all moved. So Rafael Leal was able to move to, to Lille uh, as a result. And then Lille sold them on to Milan. In the meantime, Sporting Lisbon said, hang on a minute. You're holding us responsible for this criminal activity, whatever. It's not fair. We lost a ton of assets because Rafael Leal mm -hmm. is a very valuable player. Um, we want compensation. And they took the case of FIFA. It's progressed through the courts. And then the Court of Arbitration for Sport ruled that, yep, mm. they need to be compensated. And they said the, they put the compensation at 16.5 million. Mm. But the person who needs to compensate is Rafael Leao himself because he's the one who kind of unilaterally mm. rescinded his, con mm. his contract to become a free agent. 16.5 million. It is a, that is a lot of money. Now, I know footballers make a ton mm. of money, but that's $16.5 million effectively after tax. So, basically, he needs to have banked $33 million to be able to pay that. <laughs> um, again, I'm sure over the course of his career, he'll make that money. Mm. But somebody's got to come up with that. There's also a debate from Milan's perspective. When they bought him from Lille, Lille got the benefit, right? Lille got him for free. Mm. And then Lille, by the way, of course, nearly went bust incidentally after that for unrelated reasons um so at some point if you're milan like yeah i want to keep him i want to give him a new deal he wants a new deal i think you might be tempted to sell him pass on that 16 and a half million euro problem yeah. to somebody else it's a really complicated situation it's made more complicated by the fact that he has a new advisor it's not clear whether he's actually left george mendes entirely um or whether he's still in with him um if you're a former mendes client Life can, especially if you're Portuguese, life can sometimes be a little bit tough for you. So it's a fascinating situation. And it's just a lot to weigh on the mind of a young man who yeah. really just wants to play who, Who's found his form at last. At, yeah, look, know, he was excellent last season. He was a teenager mm. when his agent said, oh, look, we can get you out of Sporting Lisbon, a free transfer to Lille, great situation, great setup, blah, blah, blah. And of course you're going to go for it. Of course you're going to trust yeah. people. And then you find out that you are personally liable and again, I'm not a lawyer, but the Court of Arbitration for Sport is the highest court in the world mm. of sport. Uh, I don't even know if he can then, if he can go to a civil court to try to avoid paying this money, where they reach some understanding. It's, it's a messy, messy uh, situation. Mess. Football Association is considering partial stadium closures rather than points penalties as punishment for pitch invasions, uh, which of course last season, sadly, were, we saw a lot of them. Is it a good idea, Robbo? They have to do something, and it seems like a decent idea. Uh, I'm not sure points are going to affect the fans. Stadium closure will affect the fans, but uh, f supporters have got to realise they have to behave themselves. After COVID, obviously people wanted to go to football, 
but they didn't do it in the right manner. We saw at the European Championships the behaviour of, of England fans trying to rush in uh, on, on the final against Italy. And it's happened at the end of matches now, pitch invasions. And then people not behaving when they've got on the pitch. It's yeah. not just been to celebrate, it's been to cause problems. So something has to be done. That seems as good an idea as any, I would uh, say. I, I think, obviously, first and foremost, players have a right mm. to, to feel safe. Yeah. That, that is the number one thing. Um, I don't like this sort of let's throw the book at the fans when there's mm. a pitch invasion if it's a peaceful pitch yeah. invasion. I mean, again, I can argue it shouldn't happen. I get that argument. Um, I'm all for individual penalties for people. Mm. Obviously, if there's 5,000 yeah. people on the pitch, it becomes hard to do. Mm. If it's a pitch invasion where even the slightest thing happens, I think a partial stadium mm. closure, um, I think, is definitely... You can't put players at risk by fans coming on the pitch. No, and sadly, we've seen... We've seen uh, fans coming on the pitch doing just that. And what we don't want is the fences that we had in the no 80s, 90s. No. You can't have that again. No question. Now, reports in South America suggest Chile of uh, definitive evidence that could keep Ecuador out of the World Cup in the uh, Brian Castillo case and send them to Qatar instead. Gab, what's going on? All right, so we've, we've mentioned this before. Um, this is a case of, of, of Brian Castillo, who played for Ecuador mm -hmm. in the qualifiers. Um, Chile are arguing that um, he's not actually Ecuadorian. They're arguing that he was born in, in Colombia. I don't fully understand what the basis is of his nationality because he obviously mm. has an Ecuadorian passport now. Um, and he's, as far as I can tell, he grew up in Ecuador. So surely he could have been naturalized yeah. even if that wasn't the case. Um, but... They're arguing that he was basically playing under forged players. Complicating this whole thing is that, I know this is going to sound really weird, like I'm making this up, but Byron Castillo had a brother who sadly passed mm. away, who's a couple years older, whose name was also Byron Castillo. Um, spelt differently, B-A-Y-R-O-N. Mm. But, and some people are saying that that's where the con confusion comes from. Um, there's a birth certificate, which some people say was false. Now they found a baptismal certificate, apparently, as well. I don't know if that's real or fake or if they trust the church more than they trust mm. um, the, uh, you know, wherever, <laughs> the birth, re birth registration office or whatever. It's a messy case. Ecuador will still go to the World Cup, won't they? I mean, it seems to me like pretty flimsy evidence. The other yeah. thing is, you know, he's played under 20 level for Ecuador. He's played, yeah. he's played internationally for a long time. It seems weird that you would only find this out They'll now. find some way around it, won't they, surely? Um, but yeah, the case works with FIFA. But some reports in South America are going really hard on this, saying that FIFA have no choice, that they're going to chuck him out. I'm skeptical. I agree with you. I, I think Ecuador um, are going mm. to the World Cup. Mm. Paulo Dybala has moved to Inter inches closer, Robbo. Does a Dybala-Lautaro partnership work in a 3-5-2? Mm -hmm. Or is this a hint that Lautaro may be on his way? Inter have said, we may need to sacrifice a big piece this summer. Mm -hmm. Inter's big pieces are Bastoni, Barella, and Lautaro mm -hmm. Martinez. I'm not forgetting anybody, am no, I? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I, it can work. Uh, you don't always have to have a, a, a big striker who's good with his back to go and a, and a small striker that makes little runs in behind him. You can play with two clever players and Dybala's a clever player, Lautaro's a clever player. They can certainly forge, forge an understanding and be dynamic as a, as a partnership. So it doesn't mean that Lautaro's going, but you just mentioned it. They're going to get rid of one big 
a piece of the jigsaw, it could be Martinez. But as a front two, I think it would work quite well. I haven't always been a fan of Dybala. I think he's drifted in and out of games. But towards the end of his Juventus career, he started to once again show his true quality. My thoughts on Dybala is simply it's all about the money. Mm. If you get him at the right price and for you know, the right length of contract, yeah. it makes sense. If you mm. overpay and then the guy just starts getting mm. injured and being weird again, then... It's a mistake. Now, Alexandra Lacazette has returned to Lyon as a free agent after leaving Arsenal. Gab, is this a good home for him, given that they already have Moussa Dembele and Akambi? Carl Toko Akambi, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, um, like, this is where it all started for him. I love the idea of players mm. at the end of their career returning home on a, on a free mm. transfer. Um, I, I really like Lacazette. I, mm. You know, is he... As a character, as a player, or both? I, as a player, I mm. mean, is he Lewandowski? No. Is he outstanding? Mm. Is he going to score you 25 goals in the Premier League? I think mm. not at this stage, which is presumably why Arsenal let him go. But I think he's a great Would guy. Would you say he was a, a success at Arsenal? Not where I would. No. I mean, the fact that the the fact that they they did the money they spent on mm. him. I don't know. I would lean to that's maybe not a move you do again. And yeah. given the fact that the team didn't necessarily get better and, mm. and they start to go mm. and spend money on, on Alba Young and whatever. I mean, I, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I wasn't a great fan of him at Lyon. I thought he actually on occasions played better at Arsenal than I expected him to. But I think they paid too much for him and it wasn't a great move. What I wonder about though is Moussa Dembele because Moussa Dembele scored 21 goals mm. for, uh, for Lyon last season. He's got a year left on his contract. Is he somebody that they're going to look to move on? Because I think Moussa Dembele is a reliable goal scorer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for, Lacazette's not a for reliable the right goal team. scorer. Yeah. Um, and, of course, all of this is modulated by the uh, the whole Peter Bosch lens, which, mm. you know, Joe's and I, <laughs> not fans. No. I mean, I'm sure he's a great guy, but just, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, James Tarkowski, reportedly close to joining Everton. Robbo, is he what they need? Is he that big defensive upgrade? Uh, upgrade our, our producer, Graham, filling in for Freddie today. Big Everton fan. He's dying to know. Uh, I've already had a chat with him about this. And he thinks it would be a, a good signing. He thinks he's a leader. And I would, to a certain degree, uh, agree with him. I think he's uh, been a good player for, for Burnley. He played well for England when he played for England. Um, Mina, Keane, Holdgate... Um, Ben Godfrey, all decent players. Tarkovsky, I think, would be just an improvement on those players. And you think he's better than all of them? Uh, Mina, I think, can be an outstanding player and great in the air, but he's had his injury problems. Uh, ben Godfrey, can he play at centre-half or right-back? If they play with the back three, which I think Lampard might want to do, they need another centre-half, and Tarkovsky would be the ideal replacement, I would say, or addition. Now, sticking with Everton, uh, Mashiri wrote an open letter to the fans. He says... We have not always spent significant amounts of money in the right way. And you've put, thank you, Captain Obvious. Is, <laughs> is that going to be your statement? Yeah. I, thank you, Captain Obvious. Um, look, we, we can joke about this. He's stating the obvious. Mm -hmm. I also think, though, there is some value in the owner mm -hmm. coming out and addressing the fans. Um, he's doing it via an open letter, mm -hmm. so it's not like a fan forum or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it, it shows some sense of accountability, yeah. some sense of ownership here, some sense of, of acknowledging mm. um, what needs to be said. There's, there's a lot of owners who never speak. Mm. Um, have you ever heard any Glazer speak? No. I mean... Uh, not in I, a sensible way, anyway. No. I mean, uh, what's his name? Khadun, who's not the owner, obviously, yeah. but he's a chairman. You know, he gives his annual 
uh, press conference to City TV. I mean, mm-hmm. I put this in in the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. Roman Abramovich, of course, famously a mute to most people. Um, you know, Cronky, known as Silent Stan. You know, like I, I think to some degree. Uh, John Henry, I think the last time we heard him mm. speak was when he apologized for the Super League, which is the right thing to do. Yeah. Generally, things are going well. You don't need to speak, by the way. Um, so, no, this is good. The question is, will they learn from, from their well, mistakes? Well, they certainly need to, don't they? Absolutely. Now, those links sending Vince and company back to the northwest of England to manage Burnley won't go away, Robbo. I'm not sure I get it personally. Apparently, his wife is from there, wants to go mm. back. Apparently, he could have Craig Bellamy as his assistant. Does this make sense to you? What don't you get about it? The fact that it, he wants to go back or might want to go back to Burnley or Burnley wanting him? No, I, I, I understand why Burnley would mm. want him. He's a yeah. bright guy. He comes yeah, yeah. From you know, He's had the experience there mm. and stuff. Um, I don't understand him. I even get him wanting to go back to the Northwest. I'm just not 100% why Burnley, Burnley, when they've been relegated, when they've got all these issues with the ownership right now that, that aren't mm. clear. It just seems odd to me. I mean, surely you would imagine he could ring up Pep and be like, hey, can I be can part yeah. of the staff yeah, for yeah. a year or, or wait for somebody to get sacked, at, maybe at Everton? Um, and See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a strange one if you move to a club that have just been relegated and you think you can bring them straight back up and they have a stable ownership, but you're saying they haven't got the stable ownership. I'm not saying the ownership's unstable in case you're watching on yeah. pace. I'm just saying is there's a million reports about how because they got relegated, they're going to have to pay back part of their mm. loan early. And mm. right now, according to reports, again, they're scrambling to pay the, all that money back. That's that's why I wonder why Burnley, I would have thought, you know, he could. I, I think they've got a chance of coming back. He's a good manager. He's proved that at Anderlecht. Yeah, no question. And uh, Craig Bellamy as his assistant. If ever there was a per- player that I thought would never be a coach or an <laughs> assistant manager or a manager, it would be Craig Bellamy. But... Everybody that I talk to says he is a good coach and he's a changed person when he's on the training field. So it could be a, com- a good I, combination. I, I think few people are aware of their shortcomings, perhaps, mm. uh, as players, mm. as, uh, as Craig Bellamy yeah. was. And he wants to make it count. Now, Gab, Australia beat UAE 2-1 and they will now face Peru in the Inter-Confederation playoffs. Costa Rica faced New Zealand in the other playoff. Predictions, come on, give me some. Oh, I'm so bad at predictions and I hate predictions, but... I love the Inter-Confederation playoffs. I love the idea Mm. that an entire country sitting there. I mean, you want drama. This is huge, right? Um, I think Peru have the edge over Australia. I don't Mm. think this has been a great qualifying campaign for for, for Australia. Um, So I'm going to lean Peru slightly. Mm. Costa Rica, New Zealand, I have to lean Costa Rica Mm. a little bit simply because with New Zealand played. I, mm. I, I think you need regular competitive yeah, yeah, games absolutely. to be on top of something. And, you know, uh, I think and the Costa situation Rica, over previous is. years, over previous World Cups, have proved they can be a good side People as well. People always bring this up. I'm always doubtful about that because those guys who were there years ago aren't there now. Those aren't the guys playing, Robbo. Anyway, that brings us to end. Robbo, thank you so much for filling uh, Jules's uh, big sneakers. Yeah. And, um, Not so big sneakers, actually. <laughs> many of them. we got even more in New York. Uh, anyway, Jules and I will be back on Monday plenty to go over. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 